Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. everybody welcome to issue three of dc primetime a spectacular joint uh venture between next level podcast network and the caffeine crew podcast as well uh i am ben beck from next level radio and i am rob martin from caffeine crew and joining us this week in our third chair uh somebody i'm very excited to have on because i've been friends with him for quite a long time so uh this has been a long time in the works and this is the perfect venture to have him on but uh welcome to the third chair craig Lagans. Thank you so much for being here, Rob. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it's great to have you guys uh, with me on my show. So, um, take it away. <laughs> nice hijacked within the first minute. Yeah, I know. It's Doesn't perfect. take much. No, not at all. Uh, but uh, Craig, we'll get a little bit more uh, when we do our cheap plugs uh, at the end of the podcast. We'll talk to you a little bit more about that. But we're going to get started first off with um, our bullet points for this week, uh, where we give our ratings of uh, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend to the four shows of Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. We'll start with Supergirl, uh, episode 12. Uh, titled Bizarro. Uh, Craig, we'll start off with you. What uh, kind of rating would you give it this week? Uh, I would give it a, uh, I give it a hero. Uh, it, it was good, not great. I, I'm, I'm noticing they're doing a lot of, uh, they're taking, obviously the stuff they can't do for Superman. They can't even mention his name, but they're taking a lot of Superman storylines and putting it in Supergirl, which I'm fine with. I know last week you guys speculated on who the, the clone of Kara would be. And Rob, I think you brought up Bizarro. Uh, first, that it would be a, a bizarro storyline, but I think they handled it really well. I think they uh, it, it looked great. I'm still not sold on the fighting scenes in the air, but there's only so much you can do. I mean, you go from Arrow to the Supergirl, and the, it's the fight scenes are like night and day. But uh, I I enjoyed this episode. I give it a a solid hero. It was it was good, not great, but cool. Uh, Rob, how about you? I actually, I think I'm going to give this episode a sidekick. Ooh, um, first one of the season. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, I really struggled with that. I was thinking hero and the more and more I thought about it. Um, I think this episode showcased why Bizarro is a really terrible character to kind of put on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's, there's going to ever be an easy way to do it. And I think uh, all I can say is two words, cookie monster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll go into that when we hit the uh, secret origin section. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to give this one a hero. Uh, there were certain epi- parts of this episode that I did enjoy uh, and some that I thought were completely bizarre. Oh, um, I know there's no rim shot. So it kind of <laughs> sucks. Uh, but moving on to the next episode of the week, which is the Flash episode uh, 12 titled Fast Lane. Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Um, like I said, I think this week is going to be an odd mixed bag for me. Uh, normally flash is almost always a legend in my brain. And this week really, really, um, kind of hit that hero mark kind of dead on. And I think it was a, it was a solid episode, but nothing that really brought it uh, above and beyond. 
Hmm. I'm wow. Well, I'm kind of confused because see, I I give this one, I, I give this one another legend this week, and I I have my reasons why. It's not as strong a legend as the past couple episodes have been. I, I will give you that, <clears throat> but I do I give this one a legend again this week. Uh, Craig, your thoughts? I thought uh, Flash this week really ramped it up a bit uh, as far as the 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 Zoom episode and the Zoom uh, uh, aspect of it. And we see further development from Wally West and the, the whole West West clan. I'll give it I, – I'd give it a hero. I'd give it a strong hero. I, I wouldn't put it legend yet. I think the next episode could be legend-ish since they're pushing towards Earth 2. Uh, but I thought the, the drama, I think uh, Tom Cavanaugh's portrayal of, um, of Harry slash Harrison really sold me this week, you know, because we – you know, you, you knew what he was trying to do, and I think Barry's – uh, realization that hey, you, it's family. So all of us would have done the same thing. Uh, was a great uh, advancement for both characters, for all the characters in, in here. So I, I give it a strong hero. I thought it was a, a very well done show, and it was written well. And again, Flash, like you said, is never disappointed. I haven't. I don't think Flash has ever been a sidekick show ever since I've since it's been on the air. No, and I think it's a strong possibility it never will be. It would have to fall really low yeah. uh, to ever get sidekick. Uh, next show of the week, of course, is Arrow, episode 12, titled Unchained. Uh, I'll kick things off with this one. This will be the second week in a row for me. Arrow's getting legendary status this week. Uh, it really amped things up. I loved um, that. It, one thing I had mentioned last week that I love about this show is it's not afraid to deviate from the main character and focus on its sub characters. Uh, and that was a strong point in this one as well, uh, considering what we went through with Felicity, which we'll get to, uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but we'll shift it over to Craig for, the, uh, for yours. Yeah. Um, Arrow's always been a, a legend show week in and week out. And I, what you said about focusing on different characters, I wasn't a big fan of the, uh, the dual Felicity's, uh, devil angel episode, but this one was, was really good. Uh, I love the appearance of Katana. I I like the um, the the I guess the, the maturation process of um of the uh, the the Thea Oliver you know kind of relationship, and I like where they're going with uh they're keeping Damian Dark a huge character even when he's not in the episode they're furthering that along, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, so I it, it was definitely a legend episode for me. Rob, how about you? Uh, definitely going legend on this one. Like I said, last week was a nice boost in that show for me. Like, I think they got a lot of momentum coming out of the break. And I think this really mm-hmm. kind of solidified that they're kind of pushing hard. And I think you can see it alone just in the fight co- choreography for this week. It was some of the best fights I think I've ever seen on the show. And there was a lot of them. Um, and uh, they all were impressive. They had a great visual look to them. But on top of that, uh, we got some closure with Roy, which was nice to see him on on the show again. So Colton Haynes was a nice nice appearance. Like I said, that uh, as Craig mentioned, we got to see Katana again, and we got to see Calculator and where that's going to go. And uh, it, it brought a lot of interesting questions. And I'm really looking forward to where the rest of the season's heading. Well, there was another character that we saw return as well this week, but we'll get to that when we go into uh, Secret Origins. Indeed. Uh, but lastly, on this list, we have Legends of Tomorrow, episode three, uh, which was titled Blood Ties. Or uh, the pilot, part three. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that. Uh, but Craig, uh, we'll start things off with you on this on the final one. Uh, this was a hero, you know. It's, it it wasn't bad. Uh, it was just uh, this show to me is kind of 
kind of gotten short shrift, I guess, because it's it stars a lot of the, the DC also rants. I, but I enjoy the characters, the actors who play them themselves, which is why I, I, I give it a, a go every week. Uh, I like them kind of pairing off. I like uh, the Adam finally getting to, to to be small for a change. I don't. I'm I'm a traditionalist when it comes to Adam. He should always be small. I don't like this Ray Parker flying around, Ray Palmer flying around, you know, shooting folks full grown. Kind of takes away <laughs> from uh, takes away from it for me. But uh, I like it. I uh, I like again. I like the fight scenes. I think next to uh, Arrow, this is. This show has the best fight scenes of a, out of any uh, show on the air, DC or Marvel. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a solid, solid B. I, I again, I don't know really where they're gonna go with this or how, uh, how far, it's the the time jumps and the. I know next week we're supposed to go to the '80s, but I don't know. Uh, the 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 fashion stuff could get could wear thin soon. <laughs> Rob, how about you? Uh, I'm gonna go hero again. Um, like I said, I think. You know, we gave it a pass last week for being the second part of the pilot, and we saw a lot of the same issues kind of plague this issue. And because, again, this is not a pilot anymore, uh, I think we got to start rating it accordingly. And I think it, Hero it, it is where it seems like it's hitting at the moment. And I'm really looking forward to them getting out of 75. Um, yeah. It was just that idea. I didn't expect to still be stuck in the 70s come like episode three. So, all right. Well, I mean, see, this is why I like having you know differences of opinions because i i actually thought this episode was a little bit stronger than last week um and i gave last week's episode a legend so i'm gonna give this one a legend as well i have my notes as to why um you know we were talking about it we all have uh, a bunch of notes for the episodes this week but i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a legend as well which uh that's three out of four this week legend for me this this was a good week for me when it came to these shows (laughs) Uh, but let's get things started. Let's move backwards a little bit and head back to Supergirl uh, as we head into the Secret Origins portion. And we break down the episodes a little bit more, give our, our thoughts and our predictions as well. Uh, Craig, since you're the third chair this week and you're the newcomer to the podcast, uh, what were your thoughts um, for you know for uh, for Supergirl for this week? I like how uh, they're keeping the, uh, the, the dichotomy between uh, Kara or, or Kira and... Uh, and Supergirl uh, separate. Um, I don't really get where uh, how they're going to keep this this love triangle going. And as far as the Kara thing goes, now she's got three suitors now with Finn, Jimmy Olsen, and now Cat's uh, son. Yeah, uh, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. I, I and I understand they're trying to humanize her and trying to keep her. I think they're trying to make her a female version of Clark Kent. I think it might be trying too hard uh, to do that, uh, being the 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 because I didn't think she could blush, being that she's not human, or <laughs> even when she came, when she flew in at the very end of the episode and drank a drank a, a bottle of water. Since when do Kryptonians drink anything? You know, I that but that's just me being nitpicky. Uh, well, let's yeah, not was, forget let's not forget pumpkin latte too. Oh yes, yeah, it's her it's her go to. It's her go to. <laughs> it's her go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I, I it's a it's a it's a fun show. I think they're. With their Peter Fascinelli as Max as Maxwell Lord is doing a really good job. You can tell he's having a lot of fun with the character. I just think they're they're pushing it too hard. I'm the bad guy, and he's trying to. We're trying to get it. They're trying to get the audience to hate him, and I don't think it's working. You know, he's not a he's not Lex Luthor. He's just a you know, he's just a a, a smarmy businessman. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, but it still it was a it was good. 
Well, I mean, uh, we, we have to mention, too, obviously, the summary of the episode. It was titled Bizarro, so obviously the episode. Um, we have Kara must deal with a twisted version of Supergirl while venturing into a possible romance, which, Craig, you had mentioned. But mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of things worth noting that we did see in this episode. We saw the first appearance of Blue Kryptonite in the Supergirl um, in the Supergirl um, yeah, franchise. Yeah, Pandam. Um, uh, we had the first mention, at least in Supergirl, of Opal City. Yeah. yeah, which is where Adam is from. Uh, do we think Adam is written out of the show now, or do we think he's going to be back? I actually, you know what? I think um, we were going to touch base on this in the news, but I have a feeling this is going to be part of the multiverse more than it's going to be part of the Arrowverse. Okay, all right. Um, just in general, because again, Superman is very much existent in this universe. We know it. Um, you know, Jimmy's got the signal watch. Um, you know, they everybody talks about Superman, and in Arrow, it was. You know, metahumans didn't show up until the particle accelerator. So, I, yeah. so I think again, we're very much looking at part of the multiverse. Okay. Yeah, and like you said, we'll we'll get to talk about that. Uh, what that means a little bit more in the in the news section at the end. Um, we're seeing now that um, it's kind of being revealed that Jimmy actually has feelings for Kara, um, even though he's with Lucy. Uh, Lucy Lane, mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing, um, is it just me or does it seem like every superhero f- movie or film, uh, where they're located has a tram car that's always in peril? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I mean, you, it's, we had Spider-Man. It was uh, a strong part of the canon with, with Spider-Man. It was actually the death of Gwen Stacy right. in, in the Superman and the Spider-Man comics. And in the movie, it was, uh, Mary Jane rather than, uh, Gwen Stacy and she didn't die. Uh, but now we're seeing it in in Supergirl as well. There's a tram car in, um, God, why am I blanking? What city? <laughs> National. Yeah, in National, National city. city. Yep. Yeah, because that that's how you know you're in a major city because of an elevated train system, like yeah. in, like in the Batman Begins. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and same thing in in Metropolis. If it's a train, then you know that the bad guy is going to go for it because that's where the most people are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we even saw in Arrow. There's a there's a, a train system that's mm-hmm. that's brand new in Arrow now too. Um, my my brain just thinks that like somewhere during like the history of each of these cities, this lazy dude from the episode of like The Simpsons that like had like the monorail jingle like went around <laughs> everywhere and made sure he sold his 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 idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Lionel, I was going to say Lionel Hutz, but yeah, he created him in North Havenbrook, Ogdenville. And now <laughs> but. Yo. The, the, their trains go in the frets, they open up, and they just find wombats. They're just boned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call the big one bitey. <laughs> but you remember the third episode of Supergirl? There was, she had to stop a train because, um, what was it? One of the uh, Kryptonians or something was, was on it. Was that a Maxwell? She had to save the kid from the... Uh, yeah, and it was it was Maxwell Lord's train Yeah, um, that she had to save. Yeah, I do remember that as well. Ah, no, that explains it. He is the salesman of the trains. Okay, we understand yes. it. Yeah. That's, that's, his big, that's his big go-to. <laughs> He's the Phil Hartman of Supergirl. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> when it hurt Maxwell Lord, hurt his trains. There you go. Um, the other thing I noticed about this episode, um, it's, it's one of the things that bothered me about this episode, is Kara's out on a date with Adam, and it pops on the news that uh, you know, something is going on. The tram car is dangling. Uh, and all these people need saving. Is it just me or was a, was it a little too obvious 
that she's like, oh, all of a sudden I have to go. Like, it's not, uh, you know, I have to powder my nose. I'll be right back. You no, know, my grandmother broke her leg. And I'm like, oh, and what phone call did you just receive? Yeah, knowledge? exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it just happens to be at yeah. the same time that this news story breaks out. And, you know, forget the fact that you look sort of similar to Supergirl, yeah. um, you know, but the fact that at the same at the exact moment that a tram car is dangling, you've received a telepathic message that your grandmother broke her leg. You know what it reminded me of, Ben? It reminded me of old school Spider-Man because that's how Peter Parker would excuse himself where the spider sense would go off without warning. And this was before there was TV and no TV or cell phone around. He would just tell MJ or Gwen, I got to go. And just like that, he's, you know, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, and and it doesn't, I mean, obviously Adam is not a proper suitor because he's completely oblivious to the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're, you're seeing a lot of classic comic book writing in this show. Um, and it could be a positive, but it's kind of also a show's detriment a little bit. And, and yeah, and in this case, I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's a little bit more of a detriment. I think yeah. I like seeing the classic comic book writings in shows like this when it comes to the heroes themselves or the villains themselves. But when it comes to the real life situations, I mean, it, it just comes off as it, it okay. comes off as stupid. Yeah, this, I think what what I'm seeing in the show from because, again, I've only seen like episodes one, two, three and now like last week in this. So I'm slowly but surely like filling in my gaps but i think this show is something that feels like would have hit really strong in the 90s um it it feels kind of like when they're kind of looking more at the old silver age comic books that's a lot of what they're pulling from and uh when you're comparing it to things like flash and arrow and dc's legends that feels very a show that's by today's standards and this still feels like that cbs is kind of holding it back just a little bit yeah yeah, yeah I, I think it would, it would be a completely different show if it was on CW. I really do. I do, too. So um, I know one thing that we have to mention, obviously, it's the most obvious part of this episode that we haven't even started to discuss yet, is Bizarro. It's the first right. appearance of Bizarro in this episode. Uh, we had mentioned last week that we were leaning towards, but not 100% sure. We were about 90% sure that Maxwell Lord and this mystery Jane Doe he had was going to become Bizarro. And that's exactly the case. Um Craig, you had mentioned earlier, too, about the Supergirl versus Supergirl scenes. Um, you you didn't think they were done that well? Uh, you know, the fighting in the air is a, is a tricky thing, and uh, it's always been like that in any movie involving superheroes, period. And obviously the, the fight scenes of Supergirl are, can only be so good. I mean, it's not Arrow, it's not... Uh, it's not. It's not even Flash, or I mean, not, I'm sorry, not Arrow, not Legends of Tomorrow, where you have two ground-based people fighting. Uh, fighting in the air just always seemed kind of, you know, hokey. And yeah. But, but you you get what you. I mean, this is Supergirl, so you only get it. He she remember in the in the second episode, she had to learn how to fight, and that's one of the things that I've always thought about when you imagine you're Superman. And you've got to save someone, but you're Superman. You've never been in a fight in your life. You've never had to, to punch somebody. So Kara, I'm I'm trying to look at it through her her eyes. She doesn't know how to fight. So she and as opposed to everyone in the Arrow universe who is classically trained in the martial arts. I mean, every single bad guy they meet from every season has been trained, you know, to block, kick, punch, and you know, you don't just not just one hit and you go down. You have to it's block, parry, thrust. Everything. That's why why the arrows, the fight scenes in Arrow are so good. But the fight scenes in Supergirl are, are just, you know, they're just it. There's two, uh, and in this one is two girls fighting. Supergirl who can't fight is fighting another Supergirl who can't fight. 
Well, I mean, I t- to a degree, I kind of disagree with that because I think okay. our Supergirl, not Bizarro Supergirl, she's had her moments. I mean, she's had uh, the Kryptonian in the first episode. Her biggest yeah. fight so far with was was with Red Tornado, which certainly uh-huh. I'm sure she learned a lot from. Uh, with that, I don't. I, again, I don't think she's completely trained like you know the guys from Arrow, but I think she's got her she's got her basics down. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you totally that the new Bizarro Supergirl, how does she know all of this stuff and know her own strength? Because obviously she she hasn't had, like you said, a gauge to right. test any of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, shown video by Maxwell Lord in her lair. Like, this is Supergirl on the news. And so now I know everything about this woman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that kind of hit was, like, you would expect Bizarro is, uh, you know, coming out swinging. Again, is, like Ben, you mentioned, doesn't know you know, her own strength. So you would think that a random punch would cripple a building, not be held back. Like a character that's got like no restraint should be just trouncing her. And it was again, watching two people that were like on equal footing. And that felt really confusing to me. Yeah. It was like watching the, uh, the, uh, Superman Zod fight in, uh, man of steel. It's like, uh, we'll just destroy everything without hurting each other. Exactly. And that's like, and even like they did it in, you know, justice league, uh, the cartoon series like even superman's always makes the references he has to hold back or, or hurt or kill somebody and like when you see like this kind of half-assed like kicking punches it felt like it was one step away from just like a cat fight yeah and it it seemed weird and then all of a sudden you know kara has the one kick and knocks her like rushing through the window and like she soars away and you're like that's what every hit should feel and none of them felt like they had impact and it yeah. was odd it, it felt very odd yeah, I agree with that, too. Uh, but at the end of it all, we see two things happen. We see um, Bizarro Supergirl is put under sedation. So um, obviously, I don't think we've seen the last of Bizarro Supergirl. No, definitely not. And we've also seen Maxwell Lord um, pretty much arrested by the DOD and put into uh, – I call it DOD storage because uh, <laughs> it's not exactly prison uh, since they're not exactly a, uh, a security group. Yeah, um, they're recognized uh, law enforcement at all, they're, and they don't even exist. So the the point that uh, Kara's sister brought up that people are going to be looking for this guy, and we're not even we're not even supposed to be here. So right, it's yeah. going to be tricky. So now it's a matter of what's next for Maxwell Lord. Um, you know, is he going to escape? Is he going to be released? Uh, what do we think is going to happen when it comes to him? I mean, I'm really not quite too sure. I mean, obviously, like, you know, he makes the threat to Kara that's kind of like, you know, we know who your adopted mother is and this is where they live. And it was that very, like, direct punch to home. Um, Again, one of the biggest issues I'm starting to see is they're making Maxwell Lord into pretty much Lex Luthor. Like, you even saw that in the beginning. That was that very Frankensteinian moment when, you know, Bizarro wakes up. Um, So, I mean, all these things. And that's they're throwing a lot more directed at old Luthor stuff than anything and uh maxwell lord's always been a very interesting villain in the comics and to see them kind of treating him as a second rate lex luther is kind of i i don't put any fear in him i'll put it that way yeah that's what i that's what i said earlier i know that he's supposed to be the bad guy because i mean we they're telling we're they're telling the audience this is a bad guy and as the audience think we know he's a bad guy but you know we don't there's no hatred there there's no he's not I realize they're kind of handcuffed because from what they can do and can't use a lot of what they want to use. So I, I think they're taking a lot of the Superman stuff and putting and trying to force right. it into the girl, 
like Bizarro and like trying to make Maxwell Lord out to be Lex Luthor. And but it's it's it doesn't work in on that level yet. Yeah, that's true. That it, not to say that it couldn't, uh, but Maxwell Lord is no Lex Luthor, and uh, he could be the Lex Luthor of the Supergirl world, but that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, and I, one of the things I was kind of disappointed in too is like with David Harewood now, um, you know, his character being, you know, known to Kara and Alex is being you know Martian Manhunter, uh, a threat like like somebody like Bizarro that's you know this all powerful being like this insane meta that would have been a moment for him to come out and shine and uh him yeah. sitting back felt a little weird yeah i guess you know because he he took the forefront last week i think he, that's what it is too yeah they they wanted to give him give him a little rest but i i do agree i think um he, we'll see going to see a lot more of him especially as we get toward the uh, march and, and the big episodes yeah right I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a another spinoff of Supergirl and it being pretty much Martian Manhunter. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be cool. Um, I, I, I think there, this show has a lot of potential. I think what I'm seeing right now from it is it's suffering a little bit of season one Arrow vibe where like around like episode like, you know, like 10, 11, it started really kind of finding its footing. Uh, it was like after the first time we saw Huntress, like the that arc. Um and then all of a sudden it fell in its footing, especially in its last little bit. And I'm seeing some positive things that are starting to pop out. And it, again, it's, it's this question of, is this just because it's season one and they're still trying to find the route they want to go and how they want to do everything and try to like hold themselves as a different show from everything else. So, I mean, again, it, it's, it's not worth dropping at all, in my opinion. It's just keep going. There's a lot of positives. It's just, it's, it's got some growing to do though. Well, I will tell you one thing, uh, and this is to wrap up the, the Supergirl segment of this, but, uh, as a Superman, like Rob, you and I have talked about this before. You follow the comics more than I do, but I, the Superman comics were one of the comics that I actually did follow. Uh, mm-hmm. With that being said, I am looking forward to next week of Supergirl. I am uh, too. That's actually ep- in my DC Essentials. The episode titled "For the Girl Who Has Everything," uh, right, right off of which, which it was which an uh, Alan, yeah, it was an Alan Moore story. Yes, it was, uh, with featuring the Black Mercy plant, yes. which pretty much attached itself to Superman and gave him everything he wanted, but in a nightmare form. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with this. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm actually very excited. I think honestly, if next week's episode can relive the glory that episode 11 did um i I think the show could be off in a really great direction yeah um, i'm extremely excited about next week's episode uh but let's move on to the flash episode 12 titled fast lane uh barry tries to team up with dr harrison but finds out harrison prefers working alone uh the flash fights a new metahuman iris researches her brother's drag racing and dr harrison starts stealing barry's speed uh so we got a lot that happened in this episode we saw as we had just mentioned in the synopsis um dr uh wells uh figures out the way to steal barry's speed force and actually does so, uh, which causes a lot of repercussions, including Iris getting uh, impaled by what I thought was close, a little close to her heart than her shoulder. Yeah. Uh, by a piece of glass from a, a car, uh, which I have a little, I noticed a some particular something about the car that Wally was driving, which we'll get mm-hmm. to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are our overall thoughts of this week's Flash? Well, I mean, I think for me, the big thing that really stuck out is the opening of the show um, when they were doing the focus on the origin of Tar Pit. 
And that made it feel like that was going to be a very front and center storyline. Usually if you show start a show in that way, that's the very, you know, centric point, like point of view right. that you're going to be looking at. And the tar pit stuff this week was, I hate to say it, but it was some of the worst monster of the week stuff that I think they've done on flash yet. Yeah. But see, I kind of disagree because the one thing that flash story wise, I agree with you, but the one thing that flash has done, and this is something we mentioned back in the issue one, it, one of the reasons why Kevin Smith is now on board with the flash is there. They do a great job of making these villains look like they did in the comic oh, they books. Do. I, they I did agree with, with King, that. They did with King shark. And now right. we got to see tar pit from the comic books like at later it was later on in the episode but we got to see what tar pit looked like in the comic books except in a live action technically oh, yeah. CGI I, I, form don't, don't get me wrong i loved seeing that but i mean it was you know like the king shark thing i was an amazing nod like when it happened it was like holy crap that was awesome and you were reeling from it and this was you're like we're gonna get to see tar pit and like from knowing that we've seen king shark i expected a lot much a lot much more from this episode and like when we got to the confrontation it was a over in a second, it was just kind of like all that build up, and it was just boom, done. And um, it kind of felt like the point where everything else that was happening in the episode was so much more important than how they started the show. Like they say, them saying Tarpit's going to be kind of like the big foe this week, and it was felt like it almost didn't even need to be there. Everything else that was happening was so much more interesting than you know focusing on this this uh, this villain. Yeah, it kind of it, it felt like they almost took a, a a big character in you know in the canon of the Flash and they just turned him into a throwaway. I do agree with you, and that's the only on reason I put this into a hero status. Everything else about this episode I loved. Um, the West Family drama continues to be some of the best writing in the show, um, and I loved seeing the the moments between um, Barry and Wells. I mean, they were incredibly strong, and we got to really see Kavanaugh shine yet again in this episode. I was going to say the same thing. See, I wasn't familiar with Tarpit in the uh, in the comics, so I didn't know how big a character he was. But this episode made it seem like he was second rate and not really worth, you know, a, a big a big arc because, like you said, it the beginning of the show when you establish a villain, it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be a major player in a while. But this one was, you know, or going to be a, a, around for a while. But uh, he was dispatched seemingly. You know, he could have been dispatched in the first thirty minutes the way that it was. He was kind of taken care of and kind of shoved to the side because the whole episode was about, you know, uh, Kavanaugh and, and uh, sacrificing Barry to uh, to save his daughter. And like you said, Robin, like I've said, uh, Kavanaugh, uh, I mean, Harry and, and Barry's scenes have been uh, amazing and just awesome. And he's done such an incredible part with this incredible job with this part. That those scenes together, whenever they're together, it just you know it steals the the episode every every time. But what they did to Tar Pit was just kind of kind of second nature. He was like an afterthought. You know, we have to focus on the. Uh, it took a backseat to the West family and to the uh, the the Earth too. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's the first thir- first time we've actually seen like the the villain of the piece take that much of a backseat in the show mm-hmm. at all. I mean, even compared to early stuff in season one, which was surprising. Uh, I just kind of didn't expect that character to get pushed that far back um, into the grand scheme of the episode. And that's really all it was. I mean, like, again, I think what they did with the graphics of it and he looked fantastic. It makes me want to see that character come back and get kind of like because, again, he this is a character that looks like Clayface from the Batman universe. Um, yeah. 
And, like, you know, he looks identical to how he looks in the comic, and it was awesome to see. And I'm like, I really wanted to see a long, drag-out fight with that, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that, hopefully, until probably, hopefully, we'll see it by next season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know one thing that we did see, obviously, was that Wells not only stole Barry's Speed Force, but he gave Barry's Speed Force to Zoom uh, instead of being able, instead of having a conscience earlier on than he should have and uh, giving it back to Barry, if that's even possible. I mean, do we even know if it's possible to give back what he stole? Yeah, that's a question I was kind of hoping they were going to find a little way to answer, but I guess that's going to be something that's going to be left for later. Yeah, um, I know um, it, it, it came across to me, at least when Dr. Wells gave Zoom Barry Speed Force that he had stolen. Uh, it seems to me more that the Speed Force is um, less a necessity, but more a drug to Zoom. I mean, especially if you look at the way he injected himself with it. He injected himself with it just the same way a drug, uh, somebody addicted to heroin injects themselves with heroin. And right. he said once he got it, it wasn't enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost like it's a, it's just a fix because it's more a drug to him than a necessity. Yeah, he's kind of coming off as like a speed vampire almost, like where he's leeching off of every other speedster's speed at this point. Uh, and, I'm, I, you know, again, it still is incredibly exciting because I can't wait to see when Zoom unleashes versus Barry. What we're going to see, is it going to be like kind of like that point earlier on in the season where we saw Zoom come in and just kind of dismantle the living hell out of him? Um and now that he's got more and more and more, what what that's going to bring? Well, like I had mentioned last week too, I think this is more going to be a team up situation than a one on one situation. I especially, agree. Especially considering now that you know, because of Doctor Wells this week, yeah. uh, Zoom is stronger and Barry's weaker. And the first time they met, you know, Barry was stronger than he is now. Zoom was weaker than he is now, and Zoom still tore him apart. Um, so I think now we're getting this introduction to all these different speedsters uh, that we're going to be seeing in the future and such. And I think this is going to be more a team up situation rather than a a one on one with Barry. And I'm fine with that. I'm well, completely it, fine with that. It also makes a lot of sense for this show because this show has been all about the ensemble from start to finish. Um, and I think not doing that uh, and having Barry kind of that loner role does not make sense. Like you saw him struggle with that in the beginning of, of the season. I think that that's the best way to end the season overall of him not wanting to focus with anybody from episode one of season two, where he pushed everybody from, you know, star labs away. He's going to do this on his own. Uh, and it makes the most sense to have him being in that position at the start of the season to him focusing as a whole with the team and taking on the big bad together. Uh, it makes the most sense as far as the writing of the show is concerned and just for Barry's growth. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of writing, do you find it odd that both when Zoom touched uh, uh, Harrison Wells was in the same exact spot where Iris got the glass in her was both on the uh, on the left shoulder? Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of a nice touch, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Uh, um, are we still... Uh, we haven't gotten Craig's yet, but Rob, are you still sticking to who your prediction as to who you think Zoom is? Yep, still sold on it. Craig, how about you? I'm curious. I because I have two. I have two predictions. One of them's a little out there, but I just came out with it this week. So, but I'm curious to know what yours is. I, you, you know, I I, I still want to say it's a it's a, it's another form of of Harrison Wells. My other wild card was Wally. That was mine. That was the one yeah. I came up with this week. Is that I think it's Earth Two Wally. 
Um, it's because it's, you know, it's it, it's something that he had mentioned this week when he was talking to Iris uh, uh, about addiction to speed, the yeah. addiction to speed, and um, and then going back to the comparison of Zoom taking speed like a drug. It's you know, mm-hmm. if if Wally West from Earth One has that addiction to speed, who's to say that Earth Two doesn't have it as well? And this is his way of of getting that addiction. That's true. I actually didn't give that any thought. Uh, I mean, I still think I'm sticking to the Hunter Zolomon um, focal point for myself. Um, again, because the biggest thing I'm still seeing is they have to find a way to save Jay Garrick. Yeah. And that's the only way that makes sense from what knowledge we've been given so far in that show, that Zolomon has to have the speed force of some sort. I mean, maybe, again, it's we're seeing another version of reverse like Flash that Hunter Zolomon has been. Um, maybe that's, again... Like, you know, somebody that's just traveling the multiverse, bouncing around, tapped into the speed force. And, you know, it's, again, another version of a legacy character. But again, we could be looking at that person being Zoom or, you know, we have a ton of other things. Like we even talked about John Wesley's ship. What would it be like for Barry to have his father be and that uh, is, Earth 2 be and, another one? And that is my other guess. That is my other prediction as to who Zoom is, is that it's Barry's Earth 2 father. And it's one of the reasons why, at least for my prediction, it's one of the reasons why Zoom hasn't taken care of Barry on his own is because it's 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 more difficult for him because he sees his son. So, um, I didn't thought about that. So that's that, that's those are my two predictions. I think that it's either Barry's father from Earth Two or it's the Wally, it's the Earth Two Wally West. Right. Um, I still think the Hunter's element is a little too obvious and a little too to the books. Uh, to be uh, the true Zoom. I do think there's an element of that in there, obviously, because why would they introduce us to Hunter's element to begin with? Um, I do think he's involved, but I don't think he's Zoom. I I think it's just a little too obvious. Uh, Like I said, that's how I felt about season one, though, too. And, well, yeah, that all panned out to be true, too. So (laughs) who knows? That's true. Uh, One little nod I want to mention before we move on to Arrow is, did anybody else notice I I brought... teased at this earlier but did anybody else notice um wally's car no no um, i actually didn't if you notice and i'm surprised i noticed this rob over you considering that you follow the comic books more than i do um the colors of the car are kid flash ah. holy shit nice nice pool man yeah nice so, i gotta take a look at that which is the another alter ego of wally in um, yeah. Right, right, right. In the comic books, yeah, they were they were kid flash colors, which I thought was a nice little homage to nice uh, little yellow and red, man. That's to, 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 uh, to uh, Wally's character. Awesome. I did. So, uh, moving on then to Arrow episode twelve, titled "Unchained," which we had mentioned earlier, is part one of a two part story. Um, we saw the return. Oh well, first off, let me uh, give the synopsis, which is uh, the team faces off against a formidable villain nicknamed the Calculator. Uh, meanwhile, Nessa. Uh, makes her move, and Roy Harper returns to Star City. Uh, I think the biggest part of this episode, at least for me, was the return of Roy. I was so happy to see him come back uh, to Star City and join the team, even if it's only temporary. Uh, I thought it was a, a nice little little thing uh, to come back. But we had seen, obviously, we also saw um, uh, Nessa, uh, who isn't really a return because she never really... We knew where she was the whole time. Uh, it's just been a while since we've seen her. Uh, but one of the other ones I had noticed, too, uh, played by Katrina Law, we found, um, even if just in Ollie's head, we saw the return of Shadow. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was a nice little scene. Yeah, which we I don't think we've seen her since season two during the Death uh, Deathstroke 
storyline. So, uh, what are some of our thoughts for, um, for this episode? Um, you know, I think right off the bat, one of the coolest things again was seeing Colton Haynes suited back up as Roy, uh, at, you know, Arsenal. It was, it was just fun to see, um, you know, he's just gotten better and better and better. And it makes me so sad to see him not a part of this ensemble because again, everybody's writing again this week was so on point and I love seeing the play uh, back and forth between him and Ollie. They had some great dialogue together and I feel like it's something that the show has been lacking a little bit as of late. Um, but it wasn't even just between them. It was everybody had great dialogue back and forth. I mean, we saw it a little bit again in the last couple episodes, but this one really, really shined. Well, some of the best dialogue that I saw that I, I found in this was the banter between Felicity and Calculator. That was good, too. I that thought was that really was great. It, 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 it really it drove the show. The dialogue is what really drives the show, especially since, you know, uh, Felicity's been turned into Oracle Light. Um, <laughs> Oracle lights. She's got nothing. <laughs> but she's, she's focusing on her, her her strength, which is her mouth, which is her her snappy comebacks, and even her um, her dialogue with her uh, her lab assistant, um, played by Echo Cullum. I forget his his character. Uh, yeah, Curtis, who's later will be probably becoming Mister Terrific. We actually got to see him toss it, you know, the T sphere this week, which was fun. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work, but he still threw the no. T sphere, <laughs> and he and he could fight a little bit. You know, I thought he was yeah. going to get his ass kicked, but uh, he he he. he, he he did a, he did okay for himself. I, I it was great seeing um uh Connor back or seeing um Roy Harper back. I missed him terribly, and just being a part of that show. I I actually thought before you told me that it was a two parter, Ben. I thought, man, if Thea does die, then that would mean Roy Harper would, in honor of her, would take up the name Speedy, and then you would have the uh. Yeah, I mean, I could. Marrow thing. I could see Colton Haynes coming back and, and taking on uh, the red suit again if that happens. But on that note, I I think they're making things too obvious. Like I, now, first off, it was Felicity when Felicity was shot. Um, it was too obvious for her to be in the in the grave. Um, as far as Thea goes, I think this is another too obvious moment. I don't think Thea is going to be the one that's in the grave. I, I think, still don't either. I still think it's going to be a cop out move. I, I, I kind of – well, I don't know if it's going to be a cop-out because it, they've made it abundantly clear that whoever this is in the grave has affected a lot of people in a very strong way. Right. Bar <laughs> Barry was there at the grave. Oliver's ready to kill somebody. Even Felicity says you have to kill him. I mean so whoever this is in the grave, it's going to have a strong impact. Right. Um, that could be Felicity's mother though. It, it doesn't have to be – um, somebody from the main core group. I mean, uh, that's that's what I mean, kind of by a cop out. I don't think we're going to see any of our major players end up in that point. It's it's yeah. not going to be to give the uh, kind of reaction that uh, Felicity and Ollie have in the limo a couple episodes back at the end of the episode, where it's like you've got to kill this guy. You know, the repercussions are big because she's not wearing the engagement ring in that shot. She even brought that up in an interview after the episode. Said, "Hey, you know," and then uh, Amel even brought it up and said, "Hey, you noticed that as well." Hey, obviously, I can tell you this. Most likely, the answer to this is Ollie fucks something up, <laughs> and and he even said that. Um, so we know whatever that death is, it's going to have a major repercussion on the two of them more specifically than all of Team Arrow. So yeah. I, I think it's I think we're still looking at and leaning towards it being Felicity's mother. I yeah. think it, um, I I was even going to go to uh, Captain Lance or uh, or Diggle's wife. Yeah, Lila, Lila's been another uh, thought process in my head. I don't think they're going to go for Lance. He's still kind of their go-between point that's becoming mm -hmm. seeming to becoming, you know, a less of a, a main focal point recently. But even in the beginning of the season, that was a big, big focal point for the start of season four. 
and them having a connection with uh you know star city pd yeah yeah um i know um one of the things i really enjoyed about this episode is obviously i'm a huge john barrowman fan i i love everything that he's in from uh you know uh, captain jack hartness and doctor who now to malcolm merlin i really enjoyed seeing the more fatherly side of merlin this mm-hmm. time um it's obviously he it, we know he's the new reja ghoul um but i enjoyed seeing uh, again the the fatherly side to him when it came to caring for thea yeah um are you guys actually uh, this was a scene that i thought i was going to see a, a very different outcome is uh when ollie and um you know malcolm are in the hallway near the end of the episode and they kind of share that nice moment together and shake hands. I so thought Ollie's going to walk into that apartment and see Thea, like, with a knife in her hand and killing somebody again. Like, that look on Malcolm's face was just... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it seemed like he did something vile. He always has that look. And, you know, whenever... He does. Even when they they have a, a, a truce or some type of understanding, you know it's just a, a setup for something else. Like, okay, who's he going to kill now? Or who's already <laughs> dead? Or, you know, he's... But he's doing a, an excellent job. I've... I've I wasn't a doctor. I'm not a Doctor Who fan. So the first time I'm seeing John Barrowman is in Arrow, and I've just been totally impressed with with him. You know, every time he's been in a scene, he just he dominates it. You You're know? not a Doctor Who fan. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Why are we having you on this podcast? No, this has nothing to do with Doctor <laughs> Who, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, but uh, his uh, his fatherly stuff is great because whenever when we first found found out that he was Thea's dad or the role he's playing in Thea's life even trying to get her back to life, you know, you, it's just kind of like what we said in, uh, in, uh, in flash, you know, you, you do it for, you do whatever you can for, for your kids. And this is him following through. He drops all the evil stuff to, to save his daughter. Yeah. I mean, and you had mentioned too, you know, bringing Thea back to life. And that's another reason why I think it's a little too obvious that Thea is the one in the grave. I mean, why would you go through all of that to bring her back in season three, uh, just to kill her off again, you know, in the following season? Right. Um, so, but I mean, one thing we had mentioned too that uh, Katrina Law, aka uh, Nessa, uh, had brought up is we heard the first mention of the Black Lotus plant, right. yes, uh, exactly. which is the aka the cure to the bloodlust. Um, that we, well, the supposed cure to the bloodlust. And yeah, and I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see this on not just this show, but another show that dealt with the bloodlust angle, which was in Legends, where we saw Sarah fighting with the same thing. I think at least this is going to get resolved in. Probably Arrow fairly soon because, again, we're seeing a little bit too much dichotomy between those two shows with those characters dealing with the same affliction. Yeah, and you, and you beat me to it, too. That was another thing I was going to bring up. That was a little tie into uh, to the other show. Right. Uh, but uh, one thing that we also have to mention is we had mentioned the, the, the banter between Felicity and the calculator, which uh, I agree completely with what they had mentioned and is a dumb name. For, for for a villain, uh, but he was happens he, when you let them name their own. Yeah. That's what happens when you let them pick their own nicknames? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but uh, we saw that the the, the calculator is he, he's almost the anti Overwatch. Um, yeah. what Felicity does for the heroes, calculator does for the villains. Um, but he and, also has his own agenda at the same time. Yeah, and I guess the, the biggest thing that. I, the biggest question I got from this episode, finding out that the calculator is Felicity's dad, is how did Felicity's mom end up with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the biggest, the only thing that's been nagging at me the whole time. Like, you've met Felicity's mom, right? She's kind of a hua. Yeah. So, and this guy is, <laughs> is, is you know, the uh, kind of like the Alistair Cook, the, uh, the, the, it's like 
putting, you know, Sir John Gilgood with uh, Wanda Sykes? You know, how did they even <laughs> get together? But you bring up a good point, though, too, and this is something that I just thought about, is what if we're looking at the whole person in the grave entirely the wrong way? What if that the person responsible, what if the person in the grave is Felicity's mom and the person responsible is her father? And not, and this has nothing to do with Damien Dark at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's still a lot of mystery behind the grave and, and the person behind it and why they're in there to begin with. So, I mean, we could be looking at it entirely the wrong way and that this has absolutely nothing to do with Damien Dark. Hmm. You made me think, Ben. I wasn't ready for that. I just thought of it myself. So, <laughs> um, and that's one of the reasons why I like we like why we do these podcasts because it makes me think as we're talking about it too. Right, and um, then, like I said, it's kind of funny that you guys even said, uh, you know, that he's kind of the anti Overwatch. But in uh, in all honesty, it's kind of the other way around. Calculator's been a character that's been around for a very, very, very long time, um, and he kind of really didn't become the calculator we saw until like way back in 2004 in the comics called Infinite Crisis, where he was kind of a, a, a big plotter of the overall grand scheme of things. But, you know, kind of like you got Felicity uh, also gets kind of pinged as being, um, you know, like the the daughter uh, at the end. So we got that nice kind of big little surprise. But it's it's been cool that they are, they are pulling a character like this because Calculator was always kind of a big bad to somebody like uh, Oracle. And um, it works nicely, I think, here. And if actually they, they put the family ties there to it. So I think we're going to see something special out of this next episode. Yeah. Do we think that um, at the end when um, it's revealed that Calculator is in the room at uh, Palmer Industries uh, when they're doing the big presentation about the battery, um, do we think he knows that Felicity was the person on the other side? I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah. You would be shocked by that? I wouldn't. Oh, okay. I don't think he knows. Um, I, I'm, I don't know yet. Um, I'm not 100% decided on whether or not I think he knows. I think this is a situation where I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to watch to see rather than try and make a prediction about it. And we're not going to have long to, to, to figure it out because next week, as we had mentioned, uh, this is a two-parter with next week's episode being titled Sins of the Father, So, um, which could have a double meaning. We're going to see some stuff about – we're going to see more about the calculator felicity uh, relationship, and we're also going to see more, uh, I'm sure, when it comes to Thea and Malcolm Merlin. Right, and uh, we actually had one other small plot line that kicked up in place too this week was uh, Damian Dark's wife running for mayor. Yes. Um, so, like I said, now we're going to see a little bit more struggle for Ollie in the whole mayoral, uh, like mayoral race, whatever you can say. I, I, I can't <laughs> get that off my tongue. <laughs> mayoral, yeah. Hey, mayoral. We know what you meant. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what we discussed last week, if she's a bigger point to everything that Dark's doing and uh, who she really is maybe in the grand scheme of things. I'm kind of hoping that comes out sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Um, but I guess we can move on then to the final show of the week, uh, which was Legends of Tomorrow, episode three, titled uh, Bad Blood, or Blood Ties, sorry. Uh, I got confused with the Taylor Swift song. Um, uh, Rip decides to weaken Vandal Savage by going after his financial assets. Rip and Sarah infiltrate Savage's bank but are discovered by his men. Meanwhile, Snart and Rory talk Jax into taking a trip back to uh, Central City so they can steal a valuable emerald. Uh, And Professor Stein guides Ray on a dangerous mission. So a lot happened in this episode. I think we were all... I think uh, Rob and Craig, I think you guys both gave this one a hero while I gave this one a legend. 
Um, one thing I want to mention first off about this is we got the first acknowledgement uh, that Batman and Superman exist in this universe. Yeah, that was a good, nice. I love that little nod. Uh, you know, it was Rip making that line is like, I've seen Men of Steel die and Dark Knights fall. And like when you hear that, you just kind of get chills. Yeah. Uh, and I think, again, that's the first acknowledgement that they are a part of this universe. Um, but are it, it, it could exactly... It could mean a bunch of different things, especially considering the multiverse tacit, which we'll get to a little bit later on, too, as well. Uh, but I did notice two reoccurring themes throughout this, and uh, I'll know if anybody else knows it, too. Uh, when it came to the Vandal Savage, Sarah Rip storyline, I got a very um, Eyes Wide Shut vibe. They even referenced it. Yeah. Yes, he <laughs> yes, does. Um, and the other one I got is the Fantastic Voyage. Uh, yeah, I, I got that, line. too. Yep. So, uh, but let's focus first on uh, let's focus first on the Fantastic Voyage aspect of it, uh, which was Ray uh, shrinking down. Uh, which Craig, you had mentioned earlier on, finally seeing Ray go as small as yes, he he's called the Atom for a reason, folks. <laughs> yeah, uh, and even when we saw him go small, we never saw him go that small. No. So I mean, he's always been pint sized, you know, where he looked like a a, a, a toy figure, which we had mentioned last week. Um, but I think that I think this storyline had a little bit of a double meaning. Um, obviously, the biggest part about about it was um, uh, being able to fix Kendra by removing all of these uh, shards of the dagger that are flowing through his blood. But this is also a big nod to uh, Ray finding his confidence, yeah, um, as the Atom, which is huge because it's something that he's been lacking for a little while. Yeah, he struggled with that since the last time we saw when we saw him in Arrow this season before the show started. Um, that was one of the big problems that he was coming to grips with. And uh, I loved the scenes between him and Dr. Stein. Uh, it was it was a really nice kind of touching moment, which turned out to be a lie, which was fantastic. <laughs> but, but a lie that worked. Yeah, a lie that very much worked. Um, I do love the fact that Stein still cannot remember him being a student, um, well, which is I'm great. I'm curious about this, though. Is this something that he's just simply can't remember him? Or is there something underlying going on that is causing him to have memory loss? Now, I, I think I, – go ahead. Go uh, ahead, Craig. No, it's cool. Uh, I think – I believe what he said is that I had a lot of exceptional students. You know, I can't remember them all. Okay. Yeah, I, think yeah, I, what he, I think he said what he said to Ray to kind of boost him up, you know. and But obviously he knows Ray's brilliant. He knows uh, if he – he knows he's he's so arrogant. He knows if you took my class and you're an exceptional student, then I know you got brains. I know you can do this, you know. So I even if he doesn't remember him, you know, and I'm speaking as my mother's a teacher, and she doesn't. She's taught she taught second grade for 25 years, um, and kids would come. I mean, grown men would come up to her. I had you in my class, and she's like, "Oh, great, that's good," and they'll <laughs> go on and on about how you changed my life and you. Aaron McKee of the 76ers was my mom's second grade teacher. Oh. Yeah, but guaranteed my mom, if I hadn't said mom that's Aaron McKee, she would not know the guy at all. She would he would she would he would come up to her and say you changed my life and you did this and did that and my mom would say hey thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, here for you. Yeah, that's just a normal thing you hear about teachers. I mean like they said they shape so many minds and to remember one kid out of maybe like you know, thousands after a course of years it'll be it's a tricky task for anybody. So I I do like the fact that they uh they kind of like kind of address that. It's just kind of like, you know, Ray was holding on to that because he wants, you know, to be remembered. Like that's his big focal point. Like he doesn't want to be somebody that's forgotten in the grand scheme of things. And the fact that one of his team members who he's had an affiliation with in his life doesn't remember him. 
So, okay. Um, I can see that. Uh, one of the other things that we did see during this particular storyline is we found out that even though Carter is dead, um, Kendra still has a psychic connection to his body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She was able to feel that he that something was going on with uh, his physical presence, even though he's no longer part of that physical presence. So, um, which you know, a lot of this kind of shifts into the whole eyes wide shut storyline, uh, where we see Vandal Savage drinking the blood, kind of uh, morbid, but uh, drinking the blood of Carter's uh, Carter's body of Hawkman's body, which we we found out. Even though Vandal Savage already has taken the life force of him to uh, further his own immortality, the blood of these people can help other people outside of just Vandal Savage. Right, and that does make his army a lot more terrifying. Like the people that you have no idea how many years most of his servants have lived at this point. So I think this is the episode I was waiting for where Savage is now feeling like more of a threat. Um like you really saw that out of Casper Crump's performance this week. Like he was more terrifying than he's ever been, I think, on the show. And I was really happy about that because I've been talking about that the last two weeks that I still just I'm not terrified by somebody like this yet in this show. And this one really, you know, hit the hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I think uh, as far as the D.C. shows go, uh, Vandal Savage and Zoom are like the the, the best villains you can get because you you there's a, there's a hatred there you know you, you, the the characters that they play as opposed to Maxwell Lords are not that you know reprehensible they're not you know with these guys especially Vandal Savage I put him in at the top as far as all the the DC uh TV shows go as a, as a top villain because unlike with uh with Flash as a you know different villain every week with Legends of Tomorrow, it's this guy. That's all we're after. Is we gotta stop this guy. This one guy, and he's so evil to the to the to the depths of his soul. And killing off major characters, you know, in pursuit of him is really what makes this show go. I still haven't given it a legend yet. I still think it's just it's it's hero good. But the fact that they're they're keeping the one main villain and the one main storyline every week is to catch this guy is what makes it, you know, uh, a show worth watching. What if Zoom is Earth 2's Vandal Savage? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> They're one and the same person. Ah, uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you one thing I, I have loved about this show, and it's just my my love for this kind of thing as well. Um, I know we had mentioned, uh, you know, being stuck in the 70s since this show has started in the first three episodes. Um, I love the soundtrack to the show. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I, I, it got the the rights of so many great songs. Yeah, I, I, and that was my thought too when I heard some of the songs. I was like, "Wow, this is a great song." I'm, I'm, I'm really glad they got the rights to use it in yeah, this episode. Go for your guns by the Isley Brothers when they were coming up. That's quintessential seventies. Oh yeah. Was, well, uh, I, like I said, I think you know we kept hearing about the show was incredibly expensive to make, and we now understand why. why? <laughs> the music rights alone is like half the budget of the show. Well, I think one of the biggest trials of this show and one of the biggest challenges of of this show is that when it's very tough to to juggle a cast of this many characters um to to get them to share the same screen time at the same time is is very rough so when you have these fight scenes 
I, I understand the rarity of the fight scenes where everyone is involved because Indeed. it's it's tough to juggle that kind of a thing. So I don't mind the separate storylines where these two characters are doing this while these two characters are doing this. Um, it, from a filmmaker's perspective and a, and a TV showrunner's perspective, it's easier to shoot that way because you can have multiple things going on, multiple shoots going on at one time. Um, Especially when you're under the time constraint that a television that a weekly television show has. Um, But again, I mean, the more characters you have in one scene, the tougher it is to shoot, the more expensive it becomes. So I understand why these fight scenes are very rare that we get everybody in one scene. Yeah. And I I think it works. I mean, I especially like you said, with a large cast like this, I I, uh, applaud them that they separate them, that they keep them. You know, they they had snart and and heat wave and. Dax over on on this side, they could do that for for every episode and just only have them together on the ship. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, you know, it it it, it forwards it it gives each character more of a time or the audience gets to know them and it gives them more character development. Yeah, if you split them up. Now if you bring them back together in one big fight scene like they did at the end of this one, it's great. It looks it looks awesome. But uh, I'm all for keeping them apart during the episodes. Uh, you had mentioned it, and I, I wanted to bring it up, too. Uh, we had three different storylines that were going on in this episode. We had, um, obviously, the uh, the Vandal Savage part. We had um, Brandon Ralph and Victor Garber together as Adam and uh, Martin Stein. And then we also had Captain Cold and Heatwave going back. Uh, but one of my f- out of all three storylines, that one was my favorite. Mine too. Was Captain Cold going back and talking to his younger self? That was awesome. That was awesome. I thought there was so much like emotion to that. And like that storyline to me, I think was meant to be the second rate storyline, but to me stood out more than the two main storylines. Like I said, Um, every week, man, Wentworth Miller just stealing the scenes every week. Captain Cold is becoming my favorite character out of this ensemble. He was actually. Oh, go ahead, Greg. He was my favorite villain out of all the uh, uh, the flashes, just because I'm a huge Wentworth Miller fan. Going back to Prison Break to to begin with, um, he's always been awesome to me. But every line he delivers is such calculated and cool, <laughs> you know. And but seeing him with his younger self, uh, obviously, the, you know, anyone to play younger Michael Ironside isn't going to work because no one looks like Michael Ironside. But still, when he when he he faced the his dad, it was a great, you know, you felt every word he's saying. He's like, if you touch this boy again, I will find some way to and mess you up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's that it's that thing that, like, you could tell he had, it was a pure, in, a good-intentioned move that he was, he was trying to fix his own life yes. by doing this. And it's just, but it, it also turns around that he is just a damned character. Yeah, he because didn't affect him at all. He didn't affect his own life at, at all, yeah. Actually, I got a point real quick for you guys. There's one thing they didn't address, and I'm kind of wondering, because he did drop some knowledge to his father uh, about, you know, like, you know, my sister's never going to be born. I'm wondering, because he saw, you know, his father was still arrested. I wonder if they bring up Golden Glider still, because he did give some knowledge and potentially could have fucked with his timeline. Is he going to have a sister in the future that we haven't addressed yet? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's that's another good point. I mean, that's one of the things I love about this show is uh, the time travel and timeline is is stuff because I'm always very intrigued about stuff like that. Um, But moving off of this storyline and on to another one, one of the other things that we did see when it comes to the time travel is um, 
we realize that Rip Hunter kind of set up his own family's fate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by going back, you know, it was kind of a chain. He goes back to, uh, you know, Vandal Savage kills his wife and son. So in return, Rip Hunter goes back to try and stop Vandal Savage. Um, throughout the process of it, Vandal Savage finds out who his son and wife are. And in return, because of that, goes to kill his wife and son. He puts this whole loop of his own life and his own fate in motion himself. And All even- because he hesitated. Yeah, and yeah, not even that. It's just that idea that we also saw in this episode at the very beginning. He actually went back to ancient Egypt and tried to kill Savage before recruiting the team originally. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's the fact that now everybody knows who. Well, Vandal Savage knows who Rip is. They have a like you know a legend about him on his own. So the fact that they know wherever they go, owing all the way back from that point in time, he's already known. Like their cover is blown wherever they go. As long as Rip Hunter is involved. Yeah. Yes. Uh, two other things I want to make mention, one of them being an Easter egg from this episode. And then if, if anybody else has anything to add, if not, we can move on. Uh, but one of the things we had made mention to in Arrow um, that kind of revealed into this one is that uh, while Arrow had mentioned that Constantine had solved Sarah's bloodlust, we realize in DC's Legends of Tomorrow this week that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, okay. What Constantine had done um, did not solve her her issue of the bloodlust at all. The bloodlust is still there, which I wonder if that's going to fuel more to the rumor I had potentially heard of possibly seeing Constantine show up on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Which I would love to see. Anytime Matt Ryan can pop back, pop back up in that trench coat and, you know, red tie, man, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think there was one other small thing, too. Um, I was a little disappointed that that stone we saw that Snart took was not a piece of kryptonite. It was actually an emerald. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the first thing I saw, Rob. I was like, oh, it's kryptonite. They're calling it emerald. But I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, I was kind of disappointed that it was just an emerald. Yeah, because I think they did come out. The showrunners came out and said, no, it was not kryptonite. It was just an emerald. So, yeah. And I realize emeralds are green, but you couldn't like kind of change it around and say ruby instead and go for something red. Exactly. Instead of confuse the the viewers for something like that. Right. Um, Does anybody else have anything to add before I throw out this Easter egg? Uh, I think one of the other things that I saw that popped up, uh, like so we talked about, like the amazing different like sets that we've seen in the show. Um, One moment that I actually kind of chuckled a little bit was uh, Leonard going into his his childhood home, which also is the West family home. Uh, So reuse set there, obviously, because of budgetary stuff. But I thought it was kind of humorous (laughs) that they shot around that as best as they could. (laughs) I didn't even notice that, to be honest yeah, with you. As soon as you see that doorman closed, you're like, I know that glass. Hey, uh, I know those pillars. <laughs> I never even noticed that. I didn't notice that either. I thought when he wanted to go back in 75 to steal something, I thought that would be the whatever it was. It turned him into Captain Cold in the first place, either cryogenic something uh, in 75 when he was a kid that would turn him into you know, Captain Cold or, or would start his love of, of cold. That's what I thought the jewel was going to be. Well, I mean, as, as far as Captain Cold goes, he he doesn't have any abilities, does he? It's pretty much just the no. gun that he gets. Yeah, it's just the gun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought that's what he was looking like. That was like the, his first gun. Or oh, okay. Oh, okay. It was going to be instead of the emeralds that I thought was kryptonite. Okay. Well, that, that would have been pretty cool, too, if that was go back to the, his own little origin Mm-hmm. Uh, his own little origin story. Uh, the Easter egg that I wanted to bring up that I noticed in my second viewing of DC's uh, Legends of Tomorrow, because I did watch it twice. Uh, there is a particular scene where Sarah and Rip Hunter are on the ship and they are talking about going back to rob the bank um, to 
uh, you know, to obviously to steal Vandal Savage's assets. Uh, if you look in the background, there is a wanted poster for on Jonah the wall Hex. for Jonah Hex. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit, I missed that. <laughs> I got a glimpse of that in episode two, but it was really hard to make out. And this time we actually got a better shot of it. And I'm like, yes. that's a, definitely a wanted poster for Jonah Hex. And I'm yes. like, that's great. And which we're going to see Jonah Hex in a uh, episode titled. I'm not sure what episode it's going to be, but I think they're going to be titling it the Magnificent Eight. Yes. Um, which obviously is a takeoff of Magnificent Seven, which obviously means we're going to get out of the 70s. Right. Well, we know we're getting out of it because next episode, Parachute Pants, beware. That's, that's <laughs> right. Yes. What are, oh, by the way, can I just say I, Dominic Purcell in this show is the com- is obviously the comic comic relief. Um in the one scene where Rip Hunter says, you know, that you're thick, does thick mean stupid? Yes, yeah. it means stupid. And <laughs> just the fact that you asked that means you're stupid. It was a very Drax <laughs> moment from Guardians. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but cool, that's going to wrap it up for our Secret Origins section of this. Um, so moving on to our, our DC Essentials, where we're going to give you some of the, we're going to talk a little bit about the DC News, uh, which one main thing in particular we're going to get to, plus some of our recommendations for the week, if any of us have any. Uh, the big news coming out of DC this week, obviously, is coming up in March. We are going to see uh, a Supergirl Flash crossover. Yes, and I think yes. the episode air date's going to be on March 28th, remember March, correct? March yeah. 28th, episode 18 of Supergirl. Uh, it's not going to be a double crossover. We're only going to see the Flash go over to Supergirl. We're not right. going to see the return. Um, and there's there's multiple reasons as to why this is. Flash actually vi- films in Vancouver. Uh, Supergirl films in L.A. So it's logistic-wise, it's very difficult to do something like that. Plus between the two shows, uh, Supergirl has the bigger budget. So when you look at these crossovers, uh, for example, when arrow and flash do their crossovers, anytime flash comes over to arrow that comes out of arrows budget. And anytime flash arrow comes over to flash, that actually comes out of flash's budget for the episode. So it's easier for flash to go to Supergirl, considering Supergirl has the larger budget. Uh, not only that, but flash, as we've already found out in, uh, the fat man on Batman, uh, podcasts with Andrew Kreisberg. Um, Flash blew a lot of their budget on um, uh, Gorilla Town or Gorilla whatever. City. Gorilla yeah, City. Like, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's just their general use of CG in that show, which is still phenomenal. It still looks better than most motion pictures. Yeah. Um, and like that's a very very uh, CG sh- like a heavy show, and they continue to do it better and better and better. And the fact that we're getting an entire episode with King Shark, I can't imagine how much money that's costing them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not to say that next season we're not going to see Supergirl come over to Flash at some point, uh, depending on what the budget becomes again when the budget's kind of like reset and they get their money back for the season. Uh, But for right now, it's just going to be Flash going over to Supergirl, which that alone is still uh, very exciting to me, Um, considering the title of the episode is going to be World's Finest, which uh, kind of exactly is kind of like a knock to the the race. Well, yeah, that Superman and Flash had. Yeah, and that's what I want to see. That's what I want that entire episode to be. It's just a race between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that... one villain could you have for the two of them? Oh God, I don't even know. Yeah, so I so I hope it is what you said, Rob. I hope it is the race because uh, picking a villain would be tough unless you have one for Supergirl and one for uh, one for Flash. Yeah, I mean, and this episode's going to answer a lot of questions I think a lot of viewers are going to have right now. Is this the Arrowverse or or is National City and Kara are they in a completely different world? Do we what's all this going to come down to? And this is going to be the first time if it is a different like world, like full on like universe. 
Um, you know, aside from Barry going to Earth 2, what what Earth is this going to be? Yeah. Right. Um, which we had actually forgot to mention that when we talk about The Flash, too. Next week, uh, the next two weeks are going to be really cool Yeah. Uh, with The Flash because they're entering Earth 2 Ooh. next episode. <laughs> Uh, and we knew. Uh, we also know that uh, from a couple stills, uh, we we know what Jesse L. Martin's going to be doing. He's I'm, a lounge I'm, singer. He is. <laughs> I'm so happy that we get to hear him sing. Thanks, by the way. I love it. I can't wait to see. So there, that. There, there's our musical moment we've been dying for. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too because I, I saw something. Um, this is kind of getting a little off topic, but still staying on topic. Um, at Comic Cons and such, people have asked Stephen Amell, uh, "When are we going to see a, a musical episode of Arrow, or The Flash?" And his rea- his answer every time is, "Over my dead body," mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because he's just not into it. But I mean, but now they're on two separate shows, so we could see it absolutely happen with uh, with Grant Gustin and Jesse L. Owens. I yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's yeah. gonna be. It's just gonna be fun to see. I, yeah. I'm really excited. I mean, like even the clothing that we've saw Grant in is a very old, old school nod to classic Barry Allen from when he first was created in the comics. Like the type of suit down to the bow tie, everything. He looks like classic Barry Allen. So it's neat to see mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, going back to the you know the Supergirl Flash crossover, it's it's pretty much speculated that this is going to be a multiverse kind of situation yeah they're not exactly in the same universe they are in different worlds uh we did hear a lot of mention in the flash this week about um ways to uh close the portals between universes yeah uh, they, they showed us actually them closing a breach which is one thing we did miss when we were doing the recap yeah um but that's to say if they close all the breaches i still think they're going to keep one open which is the one underneath uh star labs yeah. Um, which could be a very easy doorway to not only Earth 2, but um, a- again, with the multiverse situation, many other Earths. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, all I want to see is uh, Cisco finally saying, hey, you know, uh, I have this treadmill and uh, in the books, there's the cosmic treadmill. So <laughs> let, let's see them hook that up to that breach point. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, any other news that we um are possibly missing i think that was the biggest thing that was really the big one man um i I think beyond that nothing really major has been happening um i think we're kind of getting closer to a lot of quiet time prior to batman v superman coming out which is holy crap next month um and then uh i think things are gonna be quiet until we're getting a little bit closer to suicide squad yeah i'm i'm still not overly excited as i should be and i know as some other people are about batman v superman I'm feeling uh, the same way still. Don't worry. <laughs> You're, it's just not just you. I'm more excited for Suicide Squad than anything else when it comes to DC. Um, but, I mean, as far as film-wise, I was more excited for Deadpool, which I got to live that excitement this week, as did Craig. <laughs> yes. uh, got, I hate both of you. <laughs> we got to go to early... We got to go to early screenings of the movie, so when you're listening to this, uh, it'll be before Deadpool comes out, obviously, so be jealous. Be very, very jealous. Yeah, and um, because of the social embargo, we can't talk about it. Until, but we can now. It's we over. Can now, yeah, but uh, for, for the for, for the last three days, I, we've Ben and I both have been able to have had to sit on this. <laughs> yeah. Incredible um, I know this is Marvel and not DC, but do yourself a favor and go see Deadpool. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, real quick, before we get into the essentials, Craig, what's your thoughts on Batman versus Superman right now? Are, do you have any excitement for that? Yeah, Rob, I'm like with I'm the same with two of you. I'm on the fence co- about this completely. Um, I'm more excited about Suicide Squad than um, Batman v Superman, but I know that uh, Suicide Squad will only live or die by the success of Batman v Superman because it it sets it up. Um, I haven't seen, I've stopped watching any trailers for, uh, for the movie. I don't want to know any spoilers or anything like that. 
I just want to see how they they pull this off. Uh, yeah. They got the storyline in place. I, it fits rip right into the Man of Steel. The thing I hated most about the Man of Steel was what's fueling Batman in this film, which is I'm glad they addressed. Uh, but I'm I'm on the fence. I just uh, kind of like with um with uh, Deadpool earlier, the fact that there is even a movie Batman versus Superman, which is something I thought would never happen in at least in my lifetime. So it's just that's an achievement in itself. So I'm gonna take it like that. Um, it's just an achievement, but I'm on the fence about how good it'll be because I, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you know, the movie's going to do well regardless financially. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're pitting two of the most iconic heroes against each other. So, I mean, regardless, you know, it's going to it'll do bank. But mm-hmm. it's the question of is it going to be too heavy handed? If it's, Is it going to be too much? And this really come off the way that a lot of us are fearing is this is how they catch up to Marvel. Yeah, and I mean, Craig, and I'm on the same page as you, too. One of my biggest problems with Man of Steel, one of the, I had two big problems with Man of Steel. Um, and one of them is, like you said, it's it's nice to see that they're ex- at, at least course correcting in um, in Batman v Superman by making it a part of the plot of Batman v Superman. Uh, and the other biggest thing about Batman v Superman that I know a lot of people had issues with when it was first announced, but I thought from the very beginning was going to be probably one of the strongest points, was Aflac as Batman. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people were like, oh, well, he screwed up Daredevil. Why are we going to be, you know, why are we going to put him as in as Batman? Well, because Bat- Ben Affleck didn't screw up Daredevil. The writers and the people who made Daredevil screwed up Daredevil. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the and- same people that screwed up Batman. You know, George Clooney, Val Kilmer didn't do it. That was Joel Schumacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I think he still looks like the best part of this film. And I'm really excited to see his performance. I really, really am. I am, too. Me, too. And honestly, I've been sold on any of the Batman that uh, none of the Batman have ever been my first choice, going back to Michael Keaton. But uh, I was totally wrong about Heath, Heath Ledger being the Joker, so I'm I'm happy to be wrong about you know Affleck or even Jared Leto being uh, you know. I being... think I think Jared Leto and apparently the guy that's beeping in the background. Sorry, with me. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just like pointing shit like that out. Um, <laughs> I I think um, I think Leto's gonna be fantastic. I, yeah. He looks he looks great just from the stills. He looks amazing. And, and I know. And, yeah. Oh, good. I was going to say, and I know another big contention that people have um, is Margot Robbie as Harley because she doesn't have the signature, you know, like high pitched voice. Shut up. I don't care. She still looks great. And she's exactly. And in the trailer, she looks like she pulls off the 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 true spirit of Harley. So she doesn't have the voice. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. that's fine. I mean, like I said, again, every time I see a shot of Affleck, just even as Bruce Wayne, I'm like, that is Bruce Wayne. It yeah, actually it looks, looks like Bruce like Wayne. Like Bruce Wayne. That he, that, and so I, w- I didn't have any problem with the casting of, of Affleck as Bruce Wayne. Because anybody, I mean, as Batman, because anybody can wear the suit. It's who you are as Bruce Wayne. That's the, because that's the real mask. And Ben Affleck looks like Bruce Wayne right out of the comic book. He's the got, the, other, he's got he had, the Bruce Wayne brood. Yeah, yeah, and the only other person I thought that could have pulled it off would have been Josh Brolin. Uh, oh, Mark. that would have been a good choice too. He's got the perfect chin. He's got the perfect jawline. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, that was my other. But if it hadn't been Affleck, I, I would have gone with Josh Brolin. But I'm totally fine with Affleck being. I'm st- I'm trying to wrap my head around a Goonie being Batman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Beetlejuice can be Batman, then hey. I oh, that's a good point. That's that's a good hey, point. 
Instead, we got the the guy from Fashionable Mailman. It's okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So um, before we wrap things up, uh, anything that we would recommend for people to check out? Craig, I know you and I kind of share the same one, um, so we can kind of start with that. But uh, DC Animated released a new movie uh, this week that I had the chance to check out and I highly enjoyed called Batman, Bat- uh, Batman Bad Blood. Uh, which was more of a um, an Arkham Knight kind of uh, storyline for Batman. Batman actually takes a backseat role um, in in this storyline. It focuses more on uh, Nightwing, uh, Batwoman, not Bat. Well, Batgirl has a cameo in it as well, but um, uh, Bat uh, Nightwing, Robin, Batwoman, and Arkham Knight or not Arkham Knight, Batwing. Oh wow, we actually get to see Batwing. So that's uh, Lucius, like Lucius Fox's, yeah, Lucius Fox's yeah. son, yeah, Lucius. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's my essential for this week. That's what I recommend to people. I know it's out on Blu-ray and DVD now, and also on on demand. So yeah, I would check out Batman Bad Blood. I I watched it and I highly enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, I got a couple really short ones here. Um, a Young Justice uh, is now on Netflix in its entirety. Please go watch seasons one and two. Creators did come out and said, hey, if the ratings are really good on this, we're really consider coming back for a season three and pushing Cartoon Network to do so. Uh, it is one of the best DC animated series has ever done. Uh, it's a very kind of classic Teen Titans and just really enjoyable. Uh, beyond that, though, too, uh, be getting ready for next week's episode, Justice League Unlimited, season one, episode two, for the man who has everything. If you want to see a nice truncated version of that Black Mercy storyline, with uh, Superman, it is phenomenal. Um, definitely make sure to check that out. And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about Tar Pit, who we saw in Flash this week, because we didn't see a lot of them there, check out Flash issue 174 from Volume 2, uh, written by Jeff Johns, who is responsible for making a lot of these TV shows function the way they do. So it's uh, his original origin story against Wally West's Flash. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to make mention before we get into our cheap plugs is uh, it has been confirmed that issue six of DC Primetime, we are going to have the one and only George Shaw joining us um, for this. Uh, George is the one who generously gave us permission to use the music that we use for our opening theme as well as our closing theme, uh, which you will be hearing in just a couple minutes. Uh, and it's a good week that he is coming on, too, because uh, the episodes that week of uh of at least flash arrow and dc's legends of tomorrow are are pretty big weeks it's the killer shark episode of the flash it's the vixen episode of of arrow and it is the star city 2046 episode of dc's legends of tomorrow where we're going to see an armless oliver queen from the and future we'll also see connor Haw- oh, you know connor hawk in there as the current arrow as well from what i understand yes which yes. is gonna be very exciting and uh i think uh we're also getting a mini crossover in that king shark episode where diggle's going to uh central city and apparently he's getting an upgrade on his suit from cisco oh like, that'd be cool. like a gladiator anymore perfect <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. So we'll wrap things up with our cheap plugs. And uh, Craig, we'll start with you since you were joining us this week. Uh, anything you have that you want to promote or anything while you're uh, while you're on right now? Um, I will be appearing at the uh, Philadelphia Comics and Cosplay Day, March nineteenth, uh, at the Trinity Church and Twenty Second and Spruce. I'm doing a a panel on uh, Batman in today's universe. Uh, would Batman work today? Uh, is there a need for a superhero in today's universe? And what has Batman uh, meant to your life, either as a fan or a non-fan? 
So I'll be doing a panel on, on discussing Batman, also hosting two pop culture trivia uh, game shows. That's Philly Comics and Cosplay Day, March 19th at Trinity Church at 22nd and Spruce, which coincidentally is right across the street from me, so I don't have to travel a whole lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the, uh, the big thing I have uh, coming up um, comic-related. Cool. Awesome. Very cool. Um, you are you're on Twitter too, right? People can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, they can follow me at uh, Craig Lagans uh, at Twitter. It's uh, very simple. My name is hard enough to pronounce. I'm not going to put any other characters in it. Uh, it's C R A I G L I G G E O N S. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I am on Instagram. Same name, same you know way to find me. And of course on Facebook. Well, I'll be promoting this podcast to the hilt because I had so much fun. Thank you guys. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah. Dude, Craig, we'll definitely have to have you back on, man. It's been a pleasure. Ah, oh, my pleasure, Rob. Thank you so much for making. <laughs> I mean, you guys have like made your celebrities and Hollywood movie stars on your show, so I'm honored even <laughs> just to be in the same room with you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you're in the Philly area, definitely go check out Craig when he's doing these shows uh, as well, which I'm sure he'll promote on Twitter uh, and follow Craig on Twitter. I I have a blast. Craig and I have been friends for a long time. I have a blast. He he does a lot of one a day kind of stuff, like I do, like just funny stuff that he posts on facebook and twitter it's a lot it's a lot of fun so uh, follow craig on twitter he's he's awesome to follow thank you Dan. uh rob your cheap plug uh yeah just head over to caffeinecrew.com and if you want to write me at all you can feel free to hit me up at caffeine crew on twitter or just write me at um the website uh the caffeine crew at gmail.com and we have a big convention coming up in a few weeks that we'll be heading over to which is wicked fair it's the final wicked fair uh it's kind of like this all-encompassing kind of very adult themed Renaissance, uh, Renaissance Festival, which usually turns into tons of insanity, a massive drinking weekend with an amazing, amazing performers. And uh, that convention is in Princeton, New Jersey. And that is the 19th, 20th and 21st of uh, this month. Cool. Uh, yeah. And of course, uh, on my end, you can follow us at the Next Level Podcast Network. I'm on the showcast every week. Uh, you can go to iTunes and just for just search for Next Level Radio and you can find us on there as well as the other podcasts that we host on the network as well uh, at NXT Level Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Next Level Radio online. Uh, con wise, we're actually gearing up for our cons this year as well. We're uh, we're currently in the works to be going out to obviously Wizard World Philadelphia, which is here every year. Uh, Great Philadelphia Comic Con, which is coming in April. And now we're working on the Heroes and Villains Con that's going to be up in North Jersey in July, I believe it is. Um, and so you can always come to mine, too, March 18th. Uh, I, pl- I actually plan on it. Yeah, uh, Philly Comics and Cosplay. That's exactly what it is. There's lots of comics and lots of cosplay. There are contests, prizes, come in costume, and you'll be greeted as a family member. We're all nice. The- yeah, works for me. So we gotta we gotta look at the three of us doing something together then at one of these shows down the road. That would be a lot of fun. Maybe do uh, DC Primetime live. I'm telling you, I would love to do a live podcast from a con. That's like my ultimate goal for not if not this year, next year. Definitely, uh, I want to do a live uh, want to do a live podcast at a con with an audience. I think it would be a blast. So. But that's going to wrap things up for this week's DC Primetime. Be sure to join us next week for issue four, where we'll get into even more of the DC antics that are happening throughout the week. Uh, If you have anything that you would like to mention, any DC essentials that you would like us to mention on the podcast as well, or any notes that you think, anything you think we had missed, uh, obviously you can comment on either the Caffeine Crew Facebook page uh, at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com, or you can email myself, Ben, at nextlevelradioonline.com as well. But until next week, we will see you guys around the bend, guys. Take care.
Isso. Ah, 